Welcome to another edition of Membership World, the podcast for membership professionals and brought to you in conjunction with our sponsors, RD Mobile. I'm Gordon Glenister, and this is the second episode in our series about growing membership in uncertain times. Last time we saw how the UK Warehousing Association worked closely with the UK government. They actively promoted and sold space on behalf of their members, and that of course encouraged new members to join. This time we'll see how to grow your membership by becoming a trusted central resource for information for both members and non-members alike, and how that also encouraged new members to join. A great example of this is the British Dietetic Association and their CEO, Andy Berman, is my guest today. I started by asking him how ready they were when the pandemic struck. We were quite lucky in a way because the last year or two, we had been putting in place quite a lot of the infrastructure that we ended up needing, which is good. Obviously, not imagining that uh, it would be for this particular uh, eventuality. But in actual fact, when we realised that um, we had been spending an awful lot investing in IT, investing in the capacity for remote working, that we'd been much more flexible with our workforce. We had supported anybody who wanted to work flexibly and had a very different approaches to a working week. When we actually came to the transition, uh, and it was the week, a week or so before the announcement that there was going to be a complete shutdown, we've been doing the thinking of the what-if scenarios. All these events, are we going to cancel them? What are we going to do? The reality of actually moving 30-odd staff, some of whom are home-based, anyway, uh, but the vast majority who are based in Birmingham, out of our brand new offices we've just invested in, with all our lovely technology, brand new uh, IT infrastructure systems in place uh, for running events and all sorts of things. So a lot of our thinking about how are we going to do things, what do we need for two, three, five, ten years down the line, our thinking around technology had already been done. So when we then came to, okay, we've got enough equipment now for everybody to be based at home. We've got the infrastructure and the technology. What are the things where we need? So we started using an awful lot more things like Zoom and Slack and what have you, uh, WhatsApp groups. But essentially, everything that we'd put in place from the capacity of our IT network systems, our telephony systems, We don't need to be in the office to run them. So people can dial in, dial into the office, and it gets diverted because everything is done over web now. So within a week or so of sorting out all the teething problems, we were transitioned quite nicely into everybody working from home. It's been really interesting looking at the uh, the statistics of uh, the traffic that's come to our website because our website has three audiences. Uh, our members, the public, and other healthcare professionals. So we have whole sets of uh, resources and information solely on COVID, categorised by a member, public, other healthcare professionals. And the first month was pretty hectic, getting everything built up and running, because that's what people wanted. 
what do I do as healthcare professionals in relation to this? What's the guidance? What's the advice? What's the policy? And of course, nobody knew. The government didn't know. Uh, the NHS didn't know. A lot of things were just being developed on the hoof. So as fast as stuff was being churned out, we had to constantly keep updating. So the message to our members was very much around, tell us what you need, but do keep a look out at our website because that is changing literally hourly. Uh, as fast as we can get stuff, uh, then we will get it up there. And we've seen something like 300, 400% increase in web traffic to our site as a result of that. The big increase into the, the technical bits, uh, the, the policy and guidance stuff, has generally obviously been from our members. But there's been a massive uh, increase in public demand for information around the more public health stuff, around healthy eating in relation to COVID. They don't need to know about PPE, but the public really want to know about how do I find a dietitian? What advice is there for me because I'm suffering from diabetes or I'm safeguarding and I need to know about food or I need resources to help me cope for the next few weeks? So depending on who the audience was, they were going to specific areas of the website. We've got two groups of members who are particularly vulnerable. Uh, we've got freelance dietitians who you can imagine are potentially struggling hugely. And we've got sports dietitians who, again, are generally employed by, either do rather self-employed or they're employed by clubs, squads, associations who are slashing their employee numbers anyway. So what we did for them is we said, we will give you a payment holiday on the first three months for a start. So what we did is we said uh, between March and June, our annual year starts March, uh, but we'll give you three months free membership. So far, not that many of them actually took it up because you had to apply for it. You had to confirm that you weren't working. Interestingly, not many people have actually taken the offer up. But overall, we have seen an increase in membership as a result. Uh, a typical year will see probably around 3 to 4% growth. And I think currently we're looking at probably doubling that. In the last few years, we've held our AGM online. So what we've done is we've taken venues right across the UK and we've linked them virtually. So you could be in Belfast or Glasgow or London in a central venue. Uh, and all you have to do is go to your local venue uh, and we will be linked into every, every other venue. So for us, to actually move to that, that principle is not a huge leap compared to some associations. We've been on the back foot a little bit from the point of view of delivery of content. Uh, and we are investing, we've been investing in online content for the last couple of years. But we haven't previously structured it so that we do really well-structured online courses and events mini conferences we have traditionally had small and i mean 20 30 40 people running events every week week in week out we don't do big events anymore we do lots and lots of small events which is a really good 
structure for running online events on a variety of different platforms. So we've been trialing a few of them with our specialist groups. Uh, we've got 20 plus specialist groups all doing very different content. So we've moved, uh, we've taken up a go-to webinar specifically for the webinar content. But we've, we've got a Zoom where we've started playing around with Teams, although I hate Teams personally. So we're trying different platforms out to find what's the best one for us going forward. And at the moment, I'll be honest and say, we're probably behind a lot of other people, uh, a lot of other associations to the point of view of saying, here's our suite of programmes and events, and they're all available next week, the week after, the week after that. We're at the stage of we're trialling different platforms out and working with our members who produce the content to say, okay, do you want to give it a go? Uh, and let's see how we can support you doing that. It, it's an interesting question of whether those people who are non-members have found our information particularly helpful and interesting and are therefore encouraged to join. And I think over the next two or three months, we will see that in the numbers of membership. And I'll, I'm going to have a chat with Millie and see uh, if she can extrapolate any of the data to say, after the new members we've got, how many are dietitian members? Because we've got different categories of membership, obviously. And how many are brand new or people maybe who've come back? Because we've had people who've retired and come back into the profession to help out. So they've gone back into the NHS, but have rejoined us because they need the insurance. Uh, the advantage we have is, first of all, we're a trade union, which is a huge, huge advantage. Secondly, we offer free professional indemnity insurance, up to 10 million. But in actual fact, the highest valued benefit that members always tell us is the networking is the fact that they can network with people like themselves who work in their own specialty. So if you're an oncology or paediatric or a public health dietitian, the fact that you can actually join your peers, your colleagues in that field is the highest value that members put on. Traditionally, uh, our model was very face-to-face. Uh, -face. One of the reasons we moved last year was to create more space and better space for delivering content because people value that and I think they always will to some extent however we've moved to more blended learning approaches and uh, we've invested in staff and uh, platforms to deliver education content so we've got a whole uh, CPD area of the site with our online content which is growing and growing and we've got to face the facts that that's going to be probably the most popular area uh, in future. So that's where we're going to have to invest more and more. And we've, we've been approached by our sister associations overseas to help them with that process. So you, BDA, you're already doing the investment into online content. Actually, could we piggyback on what you're doing on licensing? We always work closely with other health professional associations anyway. And a lot of the, the issues that we've been lobbying on have been joint ones anyway uh, in relation to support for our members, uh, public health approaches. Uh, we've had it all. Um, we've got, as you can imagine, staff who are struggling, partners have lost jobs, got kids at home, been ill, 
uh, lost family members. We haven't lost any of our own, although we certainly had relatives who died. So there is that pastoral element of being sure as a senior management team, you know what resources you've got uh, and that you can work with people on a one-to-one -one basis, which can actually be quite difficult, even though we've got all these different channels and you can see people, you can have this conversation. But it's not quite the same when they're bereaved and you're trying to have a difficult conversation with them or they've got you know, a two-year-old running around behind them. And then you discover, actually, we've done this for a month and none of the staff have got the right equipment. They're using a dining chair and a kitchen table or working. So then we've had to put things in place to make sure staff supported because we're going to be here for some time. So have you got actually a comfortable chair? Have you got somewhere quiet to go and work? Can we give you the guidance and the support to allow you to actually work safely from home? We've had staff who are desperate to get back into the office. So we've had to do risk assessments on individuals, on the office, and allow people back into the office. We're fortunate we've got brand new offices and we do have quite good space. Uh, but there are some people who have been really struggling and said, I really need to get back into the office. It's, it's an open plan office, so we say, you can't have more than one person per, in one set of pod desks. You know. And because we've got technology, you take your laptop, you plug in anywhere, it doesn't matter where you sit. You know, just go sit at the other end of the office. We've got meeting rooms where you can go and sit, so you can spread out. We could take more people, we could probably have 10, 12 in the office, to be honest, and still keep two meters easily. The office is regularly cleaned. We don't have any visitors. Generally, we have not been particularly politically, overtly political, but we're becoming more and more so. Because what our members want is they want to see us naturally demonstrate leadership externally. They want to see us be the voice for them and of them. We've been doing more and more of that over the last few years. The challenge you have, there are so many voices government cannot hear because of all the noise. So that when we say something, say in response to the Prime Minister having announcing a war on obesity or whatever it may be, and we respond, the difficulty we have is that that noise drowns out what we're saying. So we're in competition now not just to have our voice heard externally, but actually got to say to our members, we did what you said. Forget about all the other noise you're hearing from everybody else. We have told the Prime Minister this. Okay, rest, be rest assured, this is what we have said to him. And frankly, he's ignored us, but there you go. Uh, that's another story. But it's showing them, demonstrating to them that actually we're doing what they asked us to do. And we're doing it more and more. And you, of course, need to keep telling people, you need to keep trick feeding. Yes, we've got more MPs now getting involved. We've got more column inches. We've got more web hits. We've got greater profile. We've got an overseas and international profile because of what you're doing as members. But we're telling the rest of the world what it is that you're doing. So we need to keep telling them the same story over and over again. Uh, we are having successes. Um, but of course, that's quite hard work. 
because you're not delivering the innovation and the new messages and the new delivery. You're having to keep telling your members, we're doing what you asked us to do. So you're constantly going round and round and round, which is uh, it's slightly frustrating, but you would understand it because, of course, people are overloaded with information. So sound advice there from Andy Berman, who's the CEO of the British Dietetic Association. This podcast is sponsored by RD Mobile, award-winning event and member engagement solutions used by over 350 organisations in 20 countries, powering virtual events and delivering ongoing value. Find out more at rdmobile.com. And that's it for another edition of Membership World. In our next episode, we'll discover how clever use of technology can help you increase your membership. I'll be talking to Glenda Parker, who's the CEO of HeartSquare, one of the premier membership consultants and indeed organisers of TechSmart and Chase Live. If you'd like to give us feedback or share any questions about the show, please do email hello at membershipworld.co.uk. You can now find us on Instagram at membership.world, as well as LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. Please don't forget to subscribe. And if you've enjoyed the show and would like to give us a review on the podcast, that would be great. My thanks as always to our sponsors, RD Mobile and my producer, Neil Whiteside from Freedom One. Uh, So from me, Gordon Lannister, it's bye for now.